With the release of 2020's Man Alive, King Cruel has established himself as one of the premier acts in the mainstream indie landscape. His work has drawn critical acclaim from outlets like Pitchfork and Consequence of Sound, as well as celebrity endorsement from the likes of Kanye West and Beyonce. The artist formerly known as Zoo Kid has made a name for himself by incorporating hip-hop elements in with his jazzy guitar tones. His anti-hero status would not be possible without Six Feet Beneath the Moon, his 2013 debut LP that sounds like a boy attempting to be a man. His growls are even out by soft whispers, his soft guitar tones met with harsh kick drums, and his baby face contrasted by themes of aggression and angst. This is why Six Feet Beneath the Moon is an art school album. I have never been more nervous to record with a guest than I am right now. I am here with Caleb Soul, who uh, we just have a confusing relationship in my mind, and I'm thrilled you're on the podcast. Thanks for having me. One of the first people I wanted to have on, now of course, we're almost 15 episodes deep and I'm just now getting around Mm -hmm. to you. I'm a busy guy, but I've wanted to have you on for a long time and I'm very excited you're here. So Caleb, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm very happy to be here. I am a long time listener, first time caller. Um, That goes for podcasts in general. I've, you know, Big fan of podcasts. What First you, time on one. Other than Art School albums, which you do listen to. I do, yeah. And text me occasionally, giving me some pointers <laughs> on just how to interact with humans on a better better way. Sure. Uh, what are the other podcasts you're listening to right now, Caleb? Oh, Let's man. plug other shows at the yeah. top of our show. Um, I don't know. These days, I've always been listening to Comedy Bang Bang. Um <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, Moshe Kasher, whenever he has a podcast, yeah. I'm on it. The Champs was like the greatest to, to me. Um, and now he does the podcast with Natasha, that the Honeymoon Podcast. Yeah, I enjoy like. that. I enjoy Natasha Legera. Yeah. I find her to be very funny. Yeah. So, Caleb, well-versed in comedy podcast, but <laughs> is it fair to say comedy is not your main focus in terms of creative ventures? Sure, yeah. I think, I don't know, it's kind of a blend of all the things I do. What I you got know. going on? Boy, um, I, you know, I make music, which is relevant to this. Yes, um, very much so. And yeah, I, I, I write comedy and I'm a filmmaker. You do yeah. a lot. You're also a very busy guy. Mm-hmm. Also, I've been available though. So you've been available. You're also a streetwear king, as I noticed. Okay, relax. Your deer printed jacket and your white belt—it's a bold look, uh, but I like it. All right, I didn't know the belt was showing. That happens. <laughs> so, Caleb, we're here today to discuss King Cruel's Six Feet Beneath the Moon. This yes. is an artist I was entirely unfamiliar with before you reached out to me and said really? this is the album I wanted to discuss. It was somebody I had heard of but never heard. Um, I have some thoughts that we'll discuss at another point, but before we get into King Cruel, I want to know a little bit about your musical upbringing. What were some of the first bands and artists you were really into? Oh man, um, so I this album is is important. This year, like 2013 in general, is very important because it was like the first time that I realized there were other genres of music besides hip hop music. Okay, truly, like besides like my dad burning CDs for me and there being like you know a Guns N' Roses cut or whatever like I was just listening to rap music like um and yeah like my taste started with my dad burning CDs for me off of like Kazaa and LimeWire I don't know if you remember those uh, yeah I'm, I'm well um, he I mean, would, I pay for my media. Of course, I'm of course. really into that. You're an ally in that sense. Well, if we don't pay for our media as aspiring artists, then who is going to? Exactly. Um, so yeah, he would burn me CDs. There would be like Beastie Boys and like um, like Eminem songs and like you know Guns and Roses. Um, I don't know some Gary Newman stuff. For sure. Um, and so I would listen to those, and then I sort of evolved into like buying my own records and. I say records, I mean CDs. Um, I talked on a previous show, I don't think I've ever <laughs> bought a CD. Really? Oh, I, yeah. I went straight from digital into vinyl. That's crazy. But I don't rem- I don't remember buying a CD ever, because I was pretty young when I got an iPod. And for right. a long time, that was just, that was how music existed to me. Sure. 
with singles especially and then i was like oh there's a whole album to this and like there's a story that can be oh, told wow. and there's artwork like it was all stuff that like i think it took me a little while to realize all of that and that was partly just because i neglected cds as a as an entire medium really yeah okay yeah and then you went back now you buy like actual vinyl records yeah that's, I, that's funny what i that. spend my money on yeah um yeah but like when i was a kid I, w- I would get money and I would spend it on CDs. I, w- I, I remember I remember loving 50 Cent. I had like every 50 Cent album. I had every like T.I. album. I had every Ludacris album. I had every, um, you know, I had most of the Eminem stuff. So I like this yeah. because <clears throat> although we are not discussing a hip hop album on the show. I know. These are all hip hop artists that I like and enjoy and know very strongly. <laughs> Glad we can uh, <laughs> find a common ground. <laughs> We've talked a lot about T.I. in the past and how True. great we think T.I. is. Yep. Those first few records are incredible. Yeah. 50 Cent's first two, not bad. Yes. Where did you grow up? I grew up in rural Michigan. Okay. Hard to find hip hop there or was it kind of normalized at well, that point? I mean, at this point, <clears throat> I was, you know, watching enough TV to just be... And I was, like, on the internet from, like, four years old. Yeah. Like, I I would just... I would, like, find myself on blogs looking for, like, new music at, like, six, seven years old, you know? I understand that completely. I think I got, I got very into YouTube at a very young age. I mean, six or seven. And that was right when it launched. Yeah. So I for whatever reason could navigate that site very well and that led me to a lot of music early on definitely youtube is huge yeah um and yeah and i I would just like see an album or i would like be aware something's coming out and i would ask for it for christmas or whatever and it was mostly just just rap music i um i would like yeah check blogs and be aware of of new stuff coming out i i started getting like really underground i had like a backpack phase i was listening to like only lupe fiasco and like <laughs> and like push exactly yeah. you know and um just like very heady rappers or whatever and then i came out and i started listening to lil wayne and it was like um you know i've gone through different phases and now i'm just kind of all over the place a weird question backtracking just a minute but you being from Michigan, has Eminem is Eminem oh like your dude or no? Like you can't stand up. Um, I mean, you know, growing up, definitely. Um, but at this point, it's just kind. Of, I just don't. I don't feel connected to him anymore, really, just because of how many poor albums he's. Put yeah, out. it's been <laughs> as someone that really enjoys In, yeah. Eminem at the top of his game, and also loves the movie Eight Miles so much. It's a good movie. The last scenes in eight mile the rap battle scenes where yeah. b rabbits out there like killing it yeah i am moved by it's still to this day like i like it, it comes up on youtube of like eight mile <laughs> battle compilation it's like a nine sure. minute video and i'll get through watching it and i'm like i am gonna go run through a wall like I yeah feel no so, I, like, I understand that everyone in the 313 put your motherfucking hands up follow me i'm like i'm in <laughs> i'm in <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're from indiana you feel that hard um <laughs> I don't know if it would hold up to this day, but definitely like as a kid watching that was like, oh shit, you yeah, know, this is this is something. There, there's I don't, and again, I haven't seen it in a few years now. And the last time I saw it was probably like a VH1 or a Fuse edited version. Yeah, but I remember there being like a just a weird grittiness to it that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, you know, Eminem's story is whatever, and it's kind of corny at this point. Like, yeah, he's trailer trash, whatever. But like that movie, it's like, oh, this is like there's a realness to this that I really liked and mm-hmm. I really appreciate. But again, I haven't seen it in a few years. And besides I'm more partial to boys in the hood, which is my favorite oh movie my. of all time. That's such a good opinion. Yeah. Thank and you. You, you You're have shocked that I yeah. have it. <laughs> <laughs> you sub- never cease to surprise me. Uh, boys in the hood, 40 year old virgin monsters. Inc., oh my, my top goodness. Three. <laughs> I was hoping you would say monster house, but <laughs> monsters Inc. is good too. It's really funny. So you're in a hip hop at a young age. Yeah. What time do you start making music? When is that something you realize you want to start doing? Yeah, I, um, I, I guess like sixth grade, to to be short about it. Um, and then that's when I started like writing music. Um, and then, uh, I guess like freshman year of high school, I started producing my own music, which was huge because it kind of forced me to like. Um, expand my um, palette and kind of because I started like sampling music and I would go back and I'd listen to like things that other people had sampled and I'd kind of go down these rabbit holes on YouTube which is just a great place for that kind of stuff you know I remember a point in my life and this is something that I had not thought about in years up until just this very second but there was a point around like sixth seventh eighth grade for me 
where I was very into the idea of making my own beats. And I think for a second, like trying to write some raps, like I know there was a night where I hung out with a bunch of friends in mm. seventh grade, which that happened, I think three times that year. Like this was still like, I wasn't Seminal leaving the year. house much. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was, there was a stretch. This is also the stretch where I was receiving notorious B.I.G. t-shirts every single year for Christmas. I had like a four <laughs> Christmas stretch where I was getting a different Biggie t-shirt every year. That's so strange. Um, but like seventh grade, like being really into Gangstar and Biggie wow. and a lot of New York hip hop. And then I've always been a really big Jay-Z fan and trying to emulate some of that with whatever program I was using on a very, very amateur and very bad level. I mm-hmm. don't have any of those files, luckily. But that was Sadly. a thing that I I do wonder in the future, and I, you know, not to invoke his name, but Bill Simmons, who we're both very well aware of, has a kid who is like 11 and is very into the idea of producing his own beats and rapping and being a young hip hop kid. And I, I don't think it's an original take. And I think I sound like an old man yelling at clouds when I say like, oh, there's no longer garage bands. Like every kid just wants to be a rapper now. But there is something I think uniquely accessible to rap music and even if it's in Pro Tools or something way simpler, layering your own beats and going, oh, this is sound and I created it and it's nice. Definitely. I think, um, first off, how did I know you're going to bring up Bill Simmons? <laughs> like, <laughs> this has nothing to do with Bill Simmons. Somehow you managed to throw it in there. Yes. Um, and I didn't know that about his kid, but that's interesting. I think um, hip hop music has just sort of become pop music at this point yes, whereas which it's I like i think could be looked at as a negative to the medium as a whole sure well it's hard to say because there's so much of it going on that it's hard to you know say anything's good or bad for it um and i think since it is pop music at this point it's it's starting to bleed into other genres and you're seeing like indie rock artists having like hip-hop influences you have like these bedroom artists you know, becoming superstars. You got Billie Eilish and like Claro and stuff like that, who who are you know they're recording guitar loops, but they're doing it in sort of like a a hip hop you know way where they're layering it like they have these beats. You know, they do the guitar, the bass, the drums, and all that. And I think um, I think that is you know that is rooted in hip hop for sure. Were you someone that was ever into the emo rap scene when that was like really big and little peep really took off? No, I no. sort of, I just sonically, it just didn't click for me. Interesting. Cause yeah. that's still something, cause I, I largely ignored it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this isn't, you know, alternative music or punk music or whatever it was being labeled as like this new alternative. I was like, it's not that it doesn't have guitars. I'm not interested. <laughs> and every once in a while I'll catch a song here and there from that, you know, a real blip on the radar when you think about that scene and especially Lil Peep who was, you yeah. know, this meteoric rise and then was gone, unfortunately. So. But I, I, there's a part of me that wants to revisit that a little bit and not that I'm going to dye my hair pink and face tattoo it up, mm-hmm. but I'm, I think I largely ignored that scene and I don't know if that was fair or not. I'm actually very intrigued by going back to like the emo rap of like 2017, 2018 and yeah. revisiting some of that. Yeah, I mean, that stuff is still going on um, like in the trenches of SoundCloud. You can find anything on SoundCloud. Somebody's doing it for sure. Um, but, you know, there's guys like, I mean, Lil Uzi has, you know, some of that influence for sure. And, um, you know, there's guys like Lil Tracy and even like I don't know. Um, yeah, like Lil Nas even at this point is sort of like all these like all these artists are are influenced by like all the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, who are some of your guys right now that you're listening to and either just big fans of or people that are inspiring you to uh, to pursue creative projects? Yeah. So, um, musically, is it's. Um, there's like this hip hop movement out of New York that I've told you about last time we we saw each other. Last time we hung out, we hang out sometimes. I, I didn't see you this weekend. I was no, sad. no, no, no. My parents were in town. Oh, I, that's right. I, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hung out in Wicker Park for a few days. Yeah, they bought me a pair of New Balances. I was psyched on. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Was that inspired by me at all? Or no, no, no. I, I've been keeping it New Balances for okay. a while now. All right. Yeah, all right. sure. Um, new Balances, New Era, hats, kicks. I'm all about it. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. So there's there's a movement going on in, in New York. It's mostly in New York, but there's guys from everywhere. It's called Slums NYC, um, and 
there's got they're doing like it like feels like backpack um boom bap kind of rap very sample based like there's hardly any like um added instrumentation it's it's mostly just like sample based maybe a drum loop and it's these guys just like rapping about their lives and it's and it's so um it's so intriguing and it's so like it's captivating um and it's sort of um did you listen to Earl Sweatshirt's some rap songs? No. No. Um, that's sort of like the, the maybe the most accessible version of it because it's Earl Sweatshirt and he's kind of a popular artist. Um, but then there's guys like Mike and Madani and like Mavi and um, Masai and Maxo. So far they all start with M. I was just about to ask you if they were all, <laughs> if that was a part of the scene, was they um, all have an M name? Akai Solo, there Pink Sifu. I'm just um uh oh, Navy like Blue. There we go. It sounds like it's a scene that run, runs pretty deep. It's yeah, there's a million people and they're all doing really interesting stuff and they're all um yeah, I don't I, that's just what's what's really catching my right or my ear right now. For, for sure. sure. So we talked a little bit about artists pushing genres and what is hip-hop now because it seems like everybody is borrowing from the hip-hop tree or the family to some extent and i couldn't help but notice with king cruel six feet beneath the moon that every once in a while there would be a dash of hip-hop and there would be some sonic changes that would call my ear because they were so different so when does king cruel come into your life yeah um so i think it does have to do with um hip-hop i think I already mentioned Earl Sweatshirt. I think he was one of the guys that was sort of championing um, King Cruel. Um, there was like, I don't really remember who exactly, but there was like a select few American rap artists that were kind of pushing King Cruel at the time, like around this time, maybe like 2012. And yeah, so there's, just, a, there's a Rolling Stone article yeah. titled, Rock's Coolest New Crank Sounds Off. Interesting. Which, interesting choice. <laughs> uh, but it says in the article... Um, that King Cruel has basically um, achieved a little bit of everything at a young age, including celebrity endorsements. Kanye West invited him to make music after hearing his mm. 2013 breakthrough, Six Feet, Six yeah. Feet Beneath the Moon, Beyonce which we're talking about. Too, right? Beyonce endorsed him on social media. And I liked what King Cruel had to say because uh, he said, and I quote, I don't think Beyonce ever contacted me personally or ever complimented me from her own brain. I think it was something her social media team did. I haven't met her. She hasn't <laughs> gone out to a gig. So how true is this shit? <laughs> Which, end quote, which if there is a way to be fast-tracked into my heart, it is to insult yeah. Beyonce. <laughs> oh, and really? I was so on okay. board after reading this. Sure. Um, I do like what he says there. I think he, when he did those interviews, like around 2013, 2012, he was, <laughs> he was like, he was very punk. Like he had yeah. this like demeanor that was just like, like, thanks for writing about me, but like, fuck you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, he... And it's interesting when you listen to like his music, he has like very like metaphorical language. He's kind of like dancing around like the point. But like when he does interviews, it's funny how straightforward he is. Yeah, there's another interview with him from The Guardian in which he says, and I quote, for someone who has no real recollection before of life before MP3s, the, physica- the physicality of the thing clearly makes Archie very happy indeed. Mm. I do love the music aspect of the internet, he says. The internet made me, but I also love the fact that the internet really fucked the music industry. I come from a punk vibe, so if you can illegally download my album, fuck it, do it. <laughs> I illegally download all of my music. Exactly, yeah. I do not illegally download my music. I right. think it is wrong. We went over that. But more power to King <laughs> Cruel for being cooler than me. So you hear Six Feet Beneath the Moon for the first time around when? Um, pretty close to when it comes out. Um, I don't know exactly, but definitely in 2013. Um, and it was sort of, I don't know, I was just in a time, let's see, 2013, I was probably like a sophomore in high school, I think. Probably. Um, and that just... It just, I was just in a mood, you know, I was angst, I was feeling angsty. It, it connected with me. I don't love every song in the album, but some of the songs like are definitely still in rotation. Well, let's get into it. Let's do it. It is 14 songs in 52 minutes. We kick off the first track. This is Easy Easy off of Six Feet Beneath the Moon. Same old Bobby, same old beat. Well, yeah, they got nothing on me. Same old cars, same old streets But yeah, they got nothing on me yeah. 
So Easy Easy begins the album. It is a straightforward introduction into the King Cruel sound that is guitar-driven. It's relatively narrative-based. It, it drifts in and out of almost being spoken word, but then you'll hear these growls from him, this really harsh tone come over the microphone, and it's very different to anything that I've ever really heard before. Really? Yeah. I struggled with this album. Okay. And we'll yeah. talk about it as we continue. There's a lot of stuff that I like on it, and there's a lot of stuff that I, I really did not like on it. <laughs> that I It's a, kind of one way or the other, and Easy Easy is one of those where, I think because it's the opening song on the album, I, I like that it's very bare bones, it's very simple, it is not one that will stick with me as I move forward in my life. Okay. Yeah, um, this is one of the lead singles, um, and I think it, I think it acts as a pretty good introduction. I I don't I still to this day don't know if I know what he's talking about in this in this song. Um, I think I read like something that it's about like um, like being. Uh, stopped by police and having to like be like go easy or something <laughs> yeah which yeah, is yeah. like almost like too literal that it, it feels weird but um i love i don't know a lot of his tracks are very like minimalistic in the instrumentation i think that's i think that's really interesting i think it lets his vocals shine because he's obviously doing something very interesting with his voice hey, tell me if this sounds dumb because it won't hurt my feelings if this sounds dumb for but we talked about hip-hop earlier and just that idea of like a lot of the rap i like is either very sample based or it's just it's that drum beat and i'm i'm very much focused on the words i it, especially in rap music i really don't care about instrumentation i really just want to hear the lyrics kind of cascade out from the rapper okay this feels like if it was over just a basic drum beat, it would be like, oh, this is hip hop. But because it's over a guitar riff, it's a little disjointing. Like, I don't totally know how to read it. Okay. But when you break down the song into that structure, it's like, oh, he's doing may maybe not rapping per se, but it's kind of that idea. But he's just shifted instrumentation and it, for whatever reason, completely threw me off with this really? opener. Yeah. OK. Um, yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, he takes a lot of inspiration from rap music, not even in like... If it's not in the structure, if it's not in the lyrics, it's in just like the general like energy that you get from it. You know I tried so hard. My feelings just can't disguise the way in which I fell into your heart. It was never what I once knew. Lately my skull was kept. Dividing lines, deep set and paved Two parts to wonder fruit The part and several desires to pursue And the soul chokes To cause the tide to enforce the vibe Borderline is track two we get the same guitar and vocal quality of the first track, but we get a drum beat this time. <laughs> and the drum beat makes my life so much easier. Really? Oh my God. This is much more in line with something I would listen to. It's still, I'm, I'm not uncomfortable, but it's just, I, I picked up very early on in this record that there is a vibe that King Cruel has that is respectable and it's very artistic, but it's not necessarily something I want to vibe with. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, Caleb is the one that recommended me this. <laughs> Caleb is much more relaxed than I am. Caleb could be described as chill. <laughs> Caleb is overall a pretty cool guy. Okay. It makes sense that he likes this and I don't. Do you see a lot of uh, yourself maybe in this record? I don't know. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think it, I, I, when I suggested this album, I knew it was going to be too slow for you. That's a big right? component of it. Yeah. Okay. And I, I thought maybe because yeah, the tempo is just not where you need it to be. Not at the all. The songs are too long, right? Um, no, I actually, I there are songs that I would make shorter, but that's more so because I don't like them rather than they're too long. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, and. And I don't feel like there's enough 
going on in like the instrument mix for you? No, it's it's I think it's something that if I had heard this my junior year of high school when I was very into like folk punk and like minimalist recordings yeah. of like an acoustic guitar and a stand up bass, like I could get or an upright bass. I think I could get more into that or more into this sound if I was listening to it back then. But now I just I kind of just want layers of guitars and bass up in mm-hmm. the mix and loud drums. I just want everything to be loud and powerful. Yeah. And this is it's not that. Yeah. And it makes sense because I think I I manifest a lot of my personal tendencies like I, I get angry rather quickly and I tend to show that and I, I'm a hard on the sleeve type of person yeah. and you are not no yeah that makes sense I but I also I feel like a lot of this album is there's a lot of anger there no and like frustration so there's a lot of anger there I think let's go to has this hit which is track three because I think I want to touch a little bit more on the anger okay. of King Cruel sure. uh, based off that song and now the disappointed soul well, I tried, I tried to keep in control. Well, I, I went up on the door. It's my life, and I'll go into that goal. So has this hit, which is track three, has... I think the same growl, the same intensity, the same anger that most of the music I like has. Like, I don't think uh, when we when we talk about his voice and the way it comes across in the song, I don't think it's that different than, say, an album that we talked about about a month ago, Idols, Joy is an Act of Resistance. Like, I don't think they're that different in sound, but there's something about cruel and just... The way I think it's, it's a mix of the tempo that he's working with and then also his sound where it's just like... It's just noise to me, and it's not really pleasant. Mm. And I can't, I can't totally figure out why because it's not the yelling. I like the yelling. It's a big, right? You, it's a yeah. thing I like. Yeah. Not here though. Something about this is off to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You, you love emo music. I do. You love that sort of like. But I think the big difference between that and King Cruel is like emo music feels like. If something just happened and then you immediately went home you wrote a song about those exact events you named the girl in the song you named the party you were at you did know. i give you this lecture before because i know given people this <laughs> really? lecture before of like my ideal album is you just got broken up with and you went home and wrote yeah. 12 songs <laughs> exactly about it. yeah that's what it is and, you know you get very specific but i feel like and it's and it's about like a, a moment whereas i feel like king cruel is like he's making this album coming off of like who knows how many years of just like general depression you uh-huh. know he had like some mental illness issues when he was a teenager and i think i think this album is just sort of like there's more distance between um you know the the events that he's writing about and i think I think it, it, it allows him to not have to be so specific and, and be more like metaphorical with his language. I think there's more distance sonically too, because this is a record that like I can see this and this this will sound like a bigger insult than it actually is, but I can see this working as background music. Like if this is in a living room, <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. You don't think his voice is too abrasive for this to be? Well, I don't. Okay. Some of the people we associate sure. with, maybe, yeah. but I don't. But it's again, it's like the guitar drifts in and out of being like jazzy at times. It feels like he's doing improvisation, which I yeah. don't. I don't want. With this my track guitar. is is kind of all over the place. Yeah, which is again, like I'm obviously okay with. Uh, improv as an art, as an art form in, in various <laughs> course, mediums course, in various course. mediums I'm okay with it but like have your shit together a little bit like yeah. I just think like it's not that he's trying to find himself in these songs it's like he's trying to figure out what he's doing next in these songs mm. and okay. that it's it's too sloppy for me it loses me because I think even the music I like although it shares similar tendencies like there's hardcore music out there that like has its shit together and like it's wrapped in a tight package and I kind of know like that it's going to sound professional to some extent. And this, mm. I mean, this feels like it's at like a jazz bar or something, and I don't want that. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of jazz influence on this, and I think if you're not into jazz, it's gonna be hard for you to feel this. 
Well, see, I never even stretched her faith. The storm would not allow it. As you observe it, fools out of play. The time would spawn around it. Ooh, I know what calls when you're bare. Strip from the mold. Well, I stare sometimes and it tears away with your soul. Four and Two is next up on Six Feet Beneath the Moon. This is a song that frustrates me. Really? Yeah. It's uh, I like I like the fact that there's a drum beat there. There's a little bit of structure to it. But the guitar playing in this, it's just like it goes back to that jazz point. Like he's he's fiddling around. Like this, if this was a demo, this would be fine. Yeah. But this is the real thing, and I don't want to listen to him fiddle around on his guitar for four minutes. Yeah. I love this song. Okay. I I think and I know that like. In a lot of reviews of this album, this isn't typically people's favorite song, but um, I don't uh, I don't get tired of the the guitar like I do with um, Borderline, for example. I kind of get exhausted by the end of it, and I think the drum beat is sort of you know it's it's pretty hip hoppy. It's like boom boom clap boom boom clap, you know? Yeah, no, you I know, know, very very. <laughs> no, I know hip hop. We're familiar with that, um, and then. I think the the chorus is fantastic. I think it's like a nice crescendo. Yeah. I just I can't help but feel like he's a man working himself into various contradictions here because when there is a clear structure to his music, he seems to be barking over it and the lyrics kind of fall all over the place and then he's got a nice beat behind him, but then his guitar is just totally erratic. Mm-hmm. And it's like I just and there's there's songs that will get you where it's like, "Oh, this is the real thing." Mm-hmm. Like th- this is him coming fully realized, but I don't think 4 and 2 is it, nor do I think this next track ceiling is it. I enjoy stroking my head on the cranes. But now they alone are we just one in the same. The meaning try to walk about among stolen sides the talk about a passionate lies were easy now Maybe I was found Just bathed in doubt Jesus Christ. You hate it? Oh my God. So the only note I have on this song is I asked myself, is this what David Berman sounds like for people that don't like twang? Because mm. it's just... Yeah, sure. <laughs> that I is mean, an opinion. Yeah, that's, no, I mean, <laughs> I see where you're coming from, for sure. It's, I, I mean, I'm sure lyrically it's fine, but the way he displays and lays out the song it's just like oh my god like shut up it's <laughs> like, just, I just don't care slow, case. that's it but that's not but that's uh, that's maybe my, maybe that's just the root of the issue is it's slow but mm-hmm. it seems like he's trying to tell a story and his accent does not help but i won't hold that against him <laughs> you can't you literally <laughs> can't cannot, hold that against him i cannot hold that against him but if you're going to have that accent and you're going to try to tell a story ease up on the reverb a little bit make it a little easier to understand yo why why does he have to make it easy to understand because i don't know what he's saying okay but like it doesn't have to be like immediately accessible no but i also don't want to listen to music that is cause for disassociating with reality <laughs> why not that sounds fun <laughs> this is not uh, like you talked about i like the gravity Straight of the situation forward yeah i don't want to fuck around yeah this is I'm, oh my god. I'm all about fucking around. Like I <laughs> listen case. No, but like <laughs> Caleb's here, he just wants to fuck around a little bit. <laughs> um yeah, I I don't look for like straightforwardness in music. Like I I like there to be something for me to figure out. And I think, you know, it's a simple tool, but reverb will help you with that, you oh, know. Oh, I love some reverb. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But this is a little too much, I think. Yeah, I guess so. I think I I just like um I just like the sounds in this song. I, I think I like the guitar riff, and I like the way his his um, vocals dance on to- on top of it. It's slow. It's definitely slow. But I think in the most literal sense, I don't even really say this to be that funny, but it's it's simple enough. You vibe with it. Uh, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> you could say that. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> Is there a way you would say that? I just like the song. <laughs> we have almost. Um, 
I hate to invoke an office reference here. Oh my god. I feel like we have like a Daryl Michael relationship and you are Daryl in this situation. Yeah, no, I can <laughs> and see I'm that. just looking for your guidance on everything. Oh. You pointed me to this album though. It's been real hit and miss so far, but I think track six, hopefully at least we both agree on. It's an alright track. This is Baby Blue off of Six Feet Beneath the Moon. <laughs> My sandpaper side engraves a line into the rust of your tongue. Girl, I could have been someone to you, would have painted the skies blue, baby. Baby Blue is track six. It is one of King Cruel's most streamed songs, so I take it it is obviously one of his most popular songs. I like it. I like it, but, and I think this is something that needs to be discussed at some point. We will do it now. And it was an, a thought that I had kind of immediately after hearing like the first note of him. I was like, oh, it kind of sounds like this. And then upon reading a lot of YouTube comments for this album, it reaffirmed this thought King Cruel sounds a lot like Mac DeMarco and I don't know if you're insulted <laughs> by that no um that's funny because I was talking about how in like 2013 that's when I started like getting into other genres of music uh-huh. and it was there was three artists and it was it was King Cruel it was Mac DeMarco and it was Tame Impala you look like you like Mac DeMarco a lot yeah well I like his fashion sense more than I like his artistry these okay. days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I ignored that last album, but I like two and this old dog quite a bit. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this this sounds like it could have been on two. I don't know if I agree. I think there's more. I think there's. I think there's like more mental turmoil going on with King Cruel. I think like you feel I feel anxious listening to some of these songs I feel sad listening to some of these songs Mac DeMarco is like more straightforward well Mac DeMarco I think wants to grab a beer with you and help him forget about his problems whereas King Cruel is opening the void into whatever's going on into his mind Yeah. so there's a difference there but I do I didn't know if that bothered you as a big King Cruel fan or not if that comparison was a talking point because believe it or not there were disagreements in the YouTube comment section really? (laughs) (laughs) it did happen people were very heated about it yeah. as to whether or not King Cruel of Mac DeMarco sounded like, but Baby Blue is nice. Baby Blue is great. Um, structurally, I think it's very, um, I don't know, it's more conventional conventional for sure. And it just, I keep saying it, but it just sounds good, Case. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds good. I agree. This is a... And it's sweet. It's a nice romantic song. I, I agree. And every once in a while, we just need a little bit of that. Absolutely. Track seven is up next. See the cement has never meant so much My heart head cools to the stone cold touch I look to settle my seed with the dust Brain leave me be, can't you see that these eyes are shut Into my bed through that window I hit zero As guiltless loveless sins flow I descend smoothly. So, yeah, this song is, it might be my favorite song on the album. Um, I can understand that my, I just, I, I think, I like hearing him over whatever that, it's like a Rhodes or like a Wurlitzer or something. Something like that, It's not, it's not the guitar, and I... I honestly like I really like the sound of his voice like not over a drum beat like with easy easy and with this one and I I love I what, what are the lyrics um the cement has never meant so much my hot head cools to the stone cold touch I look to settle my seed with the dust brain leave me be can't you see that these eyes are shut yeah this song dang. is about suicide case I know and it's like I I just think it's a really like poignant way of talking about suicide so i think the message of the song i don't want to say beautiful but i because it's uh, maybe glorifying it but i i do appreciate the value of the narrative of the song mm-hmm. but it sounded so jazzy 
and so just like I and it's only it's only a three minute forty five second song, but mm-hmm. after the first I was like, Oh my god, I'm gonna be well, here yeah. for a while. And there's also like the part at the end that's like a whole other Yes, which I you know I think in the structure of an album stuff like that is fine if it wants to run on a little bit do a big instrumentation yeah. do some atmospheric stuff that again I if if I was making the album I would never include stuff like that but if you want to <laughs> it's your choice yeah um, how can I just I just don't understand how you can't love some jazz chords I I mean I think jazz is a bullshit genre that's one of your worst opinions I can't stand it I think jazz is responsible for like everything and i love like jazzy hip-hop like um pete rock and cl smooth sure. like that stuff is great but the idea of just like listening to a trumpet and shit i just i just <laughs> trumpet <it>. and shit <laughs> yeah, you know jazz come on guy. no it's all like i don't ever want to sit down and like listen to a coltrane record like that sounds awful i don't want to i do disagree oh God, i don't just... i don't do it but like it's good I respect like the jazz stars of yesteryear, but I think if you're coming out in 2020 with, with a jazz album, like, phew, yikes. Yeah, well, it's been done. You know, yeah. all the jazz riffs have been done. So like, take that influence and turn it into like an indie rock album or something. Yeah, you know? do like we're doing here. Do something a little bit better at least. Yeah. Track eight up <laughs> next. This is a lizard state, yes. and I am, I, I am into this. Yes. I don't care about sunny days, gonna keep me outside right on the shade. You're gonna keep me outside right on the shade. It's gonna be like this, and that's why right, that's okay. Is that okay? Myself with PT is lying to me, and I'm dead tired of the shit you call these fucking bitch. You don't know when to stop. You're launching fat bitches, motherfucking fat bitches. Ah, why don't the bees trapped in the back of your heart? So you said you don't want to listen to trumpets. There's a lot of there's a lot of hornage going on here. It's it's full of hornage, but I this is the best song on the record. Yeah. I want an album of this. Okay, yeah. Instead of him bullshitting around on a guitar and just yelling at times, mm-hmm. wh- this is a song. You like this because it's like two times faster than every other record on this album. Th- that certainly helps <laughs> that it's the fastest song on the record. It's the most um tempo by far. Yeah. But like this this sounds this, like a, a fully realized production. This song is fantastic. Yeah. I want a whole album of this. I'm a huge, huge fan of this song. Mm-hmm. Um, he never made another song like this. Oh, okay. He's released two albums since, and there's been nothing like this. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> um, but this, yeah, I think this was the first song that I heard from King Cruel, and I think, because the, the music video, I, it like sticks in my head. Because isn't David Lynch in it or something? Um, maybe. No, Hitchcock. No, no. No, Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. Hitchcock introduces One it and, and ends it. Yes. Yeah. It's the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the music video is great. And I, yeah, this song hooked me and probably what inspired me to listen to the whole album. I like his quote here. He says, it was written one morning. I just woke up and my teeth were clenching and I was angry. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I do know why. It was because of a girl. So I started writing this <laughs> song and the song goes through three different perspectives of me on yeah. one side of the girl, the girl, and then the boy on the other side of the girl. Yeah. Now I can relate to that. There's okay. There's a lot of uh, perspective shifts in this song, but when I listen to this, I am not listening to the lyrics, man. Like this, the production on this is fantastic. point with track eight and then and we, seven. Just, we just plummet to the depths of hell on okay. track nine this is will i come i don't know it's a i mean 
it's like a bad version and I don't know I, I'm curious to know if you ever got into this scene or not but it was just like a bad version of lo-fi punk to me so like bands like Teen Suicide Elvis no. Presley, Cyberbully Mom Club so like those were bands that I was very into for a short time being of just like I think lyrically driven but especially much more than anything I listened to like noise and keyboards and atmospheric and just like even though it was considered lo-fi and, and bedroom punk to an extent like it sounded big because there was a lot of noise there and the opening parts of this when it's just atmospheric nonsense <laughs> reminds me of that and then sure. once he comes in it's just I mean it's the shortest song on the record but it arguably feels like the longest I I, I feel you I don't love this song I, I do like the I don't know like the I remember the Pitchfork review of this, um, which I know you love Pitchfork. <laughs> oh, I love is a strong word. <laughs> um, uh, talked about the hi hat sounding like a like a broken sprinkler. I I, th- I like the drum beat on this. Um, you know, it sounds it definitely sounds like a lo-fi hip hop beat. You know. Yeah, for sure. And uh, this next song, track ten, I don't think it does. I think this is actually a step in the positive direction. This is Ocean Bed. God, it's amazing what happens when King Kroll decides to sit down and actually play the guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a lot of interesting stuff going on with the guitar in this Yeah, one. when he's not like just touching it, <laughs> it's actually quite good. When he decides to play chords and notes and yeah. there's a resemblance of song structure. <laughs> he's playing chords, okay. It's like, hey, this isn't that bad. Yeah, this song sounds very... It's like the most optimistic on the album. I feel like um, it's 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 kind of like tropical almost, you know. For sure, and I think that fits with you know Ocean Bed being the title of the song, yeah. and I think he he purposefully did that. It's one of those. I think Baby Blue and Lizard State and this are songs that I could definitely take into my future to some extent. Of like, oh, if that comes on, like, oh, I, I like this song. Um, yeah, it just goes back to it. it my frustrations begin to increase with this record because I tried to listen to it as much as I do any other album for this show, which, you know, I give myself about a week prep and, and really try to listen to it five or six times all the way through and give it a deep wow. listen and, and just try to, cause like with, uh, like the flaming lips album that I reviewed a few months ago, like I was not into that the first two or three times I heard it, but there was little stuff that I would pick up along the way where I go, okay, I kind of like that. Oh, and then it leads into that. Okay, that's not bad. And the more I listened to this, I just got annoyed because there would be songs <laughs> like this or Lizard State where it's like, oh, shit. Like, if he actually just, like, played music, mm-hmm. I think it would be much more enjoyable. And I I just think it's a, a wasted opportunity because there's a, a sound to Cruel that, again, even if it's not my thing, even if it's a little slow... I certainly respect what he's trying to do, but I also, and and you can help me out with this, I don't really know what genre I would put all of this in. I don't think, I don't think it needs uh, to be categorized. I don't think he wants it to be categorized. Uh, okay, so you're one of those people. I really am. Like, I, <laughs> uh, but relax, okay? <laughs> don't stop. Hey, he just picked up a baseball bat. Um, yeah, I don't think genre is necessary. I, but like... I don't know. I think, I think you would like his other albums more. I think, I think the ooze, his next album after this one, is more um, instrumentally interesting. I think there's more going on. There's like, if it feels like he's backed by a full band, um, but he doesn't really, he doesn't really get as optimistic as he is on Ocean Bed. I'm a little annoyed by people that talk about genreless music because I think it started mainly with Foster the People and the <laughs> record Torches. Really? They were like, they were really like, we are like, do not define us. And then what happened is the music industry panicked. They were like, I guess it's alternative because it's different. So it led to I think keyboards being just thrown into alternative radio, uh, which is an issue we're still dealing with. But the, yeah, alternative is like a mess. And that is. Uh, 
the crux of what we talked about last week with Billie Eilish. Like, I really like Billie Eilish. I think she's far better when she's almost doing, like, when she's borrowing from hip-hop more so than when she's, like, doing a ballad. Like, I find that to be far much more interesting, but... I am still under the mindset, and I'm and I'm not a musician, but as someone that consumes a lot, I would rather someone look at the bare bones of a genre and say, how can I push this forward, rather than someone who takes all of these genres and says, uh, I I am genreless, I don't subscribe to any of these, and then they pull from uh, different parts of it. I don't know. It's a, it's a small thing, but I. I think the idea of labeling yourself as genreless uh, puts you in a trap, and I, I think it's just I, I've never heard an artist, with the exception of Billie Eilish to some extent, that is very into that idea of like I, I'm I'm all of these different things. I think a lot of time it just leads to various mediocre sounding projects. Yeah, I, I think I think it, it it's in your best interest as an artist to lean towards one for sure, but I don't think it hurts to take influence from everything. Eleven. It has a big kind of New York hip hop sounding drum Definitely. beat behind it. I'm into that. Uh, but again, and I, I have in my notes here. It's funny that we we got to this in the last song. Of just you know, I, Cruel wants to do a lot of different things. I think within his own genre, mm-hmm. and I worry if that universe is a is a little bit too expansive right now. That was my thoughts as I was going along with this album. I was like, God, I wish he would just find one sound and, and not stick to it in the sense that he can't. Uh, push the boundaries but just like god he's got a lot of ideas and i don't know how many of them are sticking yeah i think if you're if you're somebody that's concerned with genre that's gonna come up but like i don't i don't know if he cares i don't know if people that listen to him care um but that you know that hip-hop influence is here and i think this is the song that a lot of like i know travis scott actually remixed this song like a year after odd which is really interesting because that was an interesting era of Travis Scott. It was like before the one that we know now. Like he, How he was kind was of he? different. Okay. Um, and it was really interesting. And I, I don't, I can't get into it. But Owl Pharaoh is a fantastic mixtape. Word. Um, and yeah, this this one, I I think this is the one I heard the most about from like those circles, like the hip hop circles. People are like, oh, this is really interesting. The more you say. Oh, Cruel probably doesn't care about being genreless. It just uh, harkens me back to about 12 hours ago when I was discussing uh, a recent NBA game, Bucks Raptors, with a friend of ours, and I was complaining about how when Giannis Antetokounmpo has the ball at the top of the key and Fred Van Vliet is guarding him, <laughs> I just want Giannis to drive with a fucking basket. Yeah. Like, and instead he passes it and then doesn't drive or uh-huh. he shoots the three. It's like you're. You're so much bigger than him. Can you just make things simple? Can you just run by him? Can you run at him and get to the basket? And I felt similar in this of just like, can you, you know, like there are good sounding things on this record. Can uh, you just do that? Just, can, why do you have to make it so hard? Just stick to bread and butter. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, we've, uh, there are ditch diggers too, but they're good at it. There's I'm, nothing wrong with that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, now I'm just thinking about basketball, but. Oh man, <laughs> this league is crazy. That's so true. <laughs> See my eyes can't see clear Cause they're colder than fear Shot down the left hemisphere And it sent me here to a board My attention's a fraud Or a fuck will cause no more No less So over there There's a storm in the west Before I guess the best of me Caleb, I hope you've got stuff to say on track 12 to crock it out, because all I've got is that it's more 
just growling from this kid. And I, I, at this point, I am checked this out. This kid. This zoo kid, as he zoo used kid, to be. Yes, yeah. But, oh, my God, make this song end. Um... It's. I mean, it's not my favorite. I think it's. I think it's cool. I like um, the rhythm. It definitely makes me want to, you know, nod my head. Uh, do a little head bop. Do a little head bop. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think he's doing anything that he hasn't done already on this album. Um, yeah. For sure. Track thirteen. This is out getting ribs. And hate runs through my blood. Well, my tongue was in love. But my heart was left above I've got to be leaving now I thought I'd never be shut down But girl, I'm black and blue So bitter down you Well, I'd be turned out in blue out Getting Ribs is track 13. It takes its title from a 1982 pencil on paper piece from Jean Michael Basque. Jean-Michel Basquiat. <laughs> yeah, that too. Okay, so you don't know who Basquiat is? No, I have no idea who that okay, is. Who well, is that? Well, who is that, Big Shot? Yeah, okay, oh, rela- you, relax. You don't know who that is? He's like... He's like Second to Warhol for like American contemporary painters. Hey, you know what second place sounds like? First loser. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's see you do something that have the impact of Basquiat. I with podcasts, <laughs> just in general. Just pod- yeah, yeah. You're the Basquiat of podcasts. I'd be okay with that. That sounds All nice. Right. That'd be yeah. kind of cool. Scott Ackerman took America's podcast. Maybe I can be the Basquiat of podcasting. Okay, I yeah. work with that. So track sure. thirteen, out getting ribs. <laughs> uh, to me, it's it's I at this point. Every single time I got to this track, I was like, okay, I'm ready for the album to be done at this point. Mm. Not because I think the album's too long. It's just more of the same. I found it to be unexciting, albeit harmless. Yeah. Uh, I think this song is is fun. I, I play, I replay this one pretty often. He also like wrote this one when he was like 16 or 17, I think. Now, that's crazy. That um, I respect at least. Which is, yeah, wild. Um, and this was kind of like his introduction as King Cruel, I believe. So finally, we get to the end of the album, 14 songs, 52 minutes. We end it with Bathed in Gray off of Six Feet Beneath the Moon. What is there to say when in front of you there lays a strong master paved your way, now shattered lost shapes of gray? I guess I missed her, this overgrown sister. With no cement in the mixture Well let me paint this dark picture They were men, they were duds There was blood, bed and fogs Bathed in Grey, I think, ends the album on a hip hoppier note Sure Yeah, it's uh There's like a weird piano sample going on Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I, I think he's drifting towards a sound that he never fully reached in this album Yeah, he kind of like, committed here Yeah, it's like, okay, no, I, this is, I mean, it's different And it's Slow, definitely. But I don't, I don't mind this. I, there was just a lot from this album that I was like, God, if he would have just done ten more songs like that, mm-hmm. of the structure of Baby Blue or the the sound of of Lizard State or even whatever this experimental kind of trip hop vibe is that he's got going on. It's like shit. Like I would like a little bit more of that. It's the laziness. It comes across to me as laziness or the carelessness of the way he's singing or the words are coming out of his mouth or the guitar playing that just drives me nuts but there's I see the talent in here yeah um it's definitely I mean he was 19 when he put this out it's a lot of just like throwing ideas at you know the board seeing what sticks and seeing what people like and people really liked a lizard state people really liked baby blue um and then he's just sort of you know took that and went in his own direction um I I think The Ooze is a better album than this one, but I didn't want to make you listen to it because it's over an hour long. Mm, good <laughs> and I, choice, And I man. know how you feel about long albums. This yeah. one already is like 50 minutes. Yeah, because it's probably not as good as Modest Mass, A Lonesome Crowded West, oh, and okay. that, is a, that is a record the, that's almost perfect, but still too long. You love that? That's, oh, yeah. I don't really know much about Modest Mouse, but the Pitchfork review of King Cruel says um, that um, his voice kind of Archie's voice kind of reminds him of I can say that of Isaac Brock of Isaac Brock yeah. yes <laughs> nailed it Isaac Brock um, so you mentioned King Cruel was 19 when this record came yes. out how old are you now 
I'm 21. 25. Um, are you at a point now where people are having success that are younger than us? Does that bother you at all? Um, <laughs> I'm starting to get over it. You're starting to get over it, so you felt that way at one oh, point. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because, um, I don't know, I was like... I peaked as a musician when I was like 18. Please explain. So like I was, I don't know, I was like producing for other people and getting like a lot of um, traffic on like those songs. Yeah. And it was enough for me to feel hopeful uh, graduating high school. (laughs) And then (laughs) um, some things shifted. (laughs) Um, And so I've just kind of grown out of that, like feeling like age is super important in, um, in like your track getting successful i yeah. just i don't think it's super relevant i watch zion williamson yeah and you know, i feel pretty bad definitely watching basketball is kind of yeah. rough in that well sense. it's and i i started thinking this way in high school and it's especially relevant now of just like oh they're 18 and they just signed a shoe contract for how much <laughs> like that idea is mind-blowing and then you hear about musicians who you know, like modern baseball, for example, like they were writing these songs at 19 and 20 that in at least some circles will live on for forever as like, like, oh my God, like you, like this is our song. And it's like, oh, they were like 19 or 20. And it's just like, yeah. But I mean, at the same time you hear stories about, um, I don't know, the classic is like Samuel L. Jackson didn't get a big role until he's like 50. How old is he now? He's, I don't know. Like, <laughs> wait, I, I wait this like, math doesn't check yeah, out. I, was like, I thought he was like, like 40, 50, 40 okay. something probably. But you know, it's like, who cares, man? Don't stress yourself out with anything. No, I'm good. Like I just that. feel bad when I watch Zion. <laughs> That's kind of the only one I've got yeah, going on true. right now. <laughs> All right. So Caleb, we've come to the end of the album. Your rating out of 10 on King Cruel's Six Feet Beneath the Moon. Yeah. Um... I I think it's just like a solid seven out of ten. I think, um, I think there's like I said, you know, it's a lot of good ideas, a lot of stuff thrown at the wall, just trying to figure out what works. It's a good like introduction to the world. I think a lot of people hear this and they're like, wow, this is really different. Um, whatever this guy has to say, I'm gonna listen. So wherever he goes from here, um, people are intrigued. Um, I think there are a lot of songs on here that I skip. Um, and but I think I don't know I think a lizard state and I think some mentality and I think baby blue are gonna stick with me forever you know for sure for sure so you gave it a seven out of ten yeah just for context pitchfork gave it a seven point three out of ten the Rolling Stone gave it a three point five out of five and exclaim gave it a nine out of ten I am at like a four point five out of ten um is this is that your lowest rating for the it albums you've done for this rating. podcast? Yes. I feel bad. I wish we would have no. talked about something you liked. Because here's the thing. It's my least favorite album we've done so far, but you are one of my favorite guests I've had so far. Are you serious? Yeah. So to, spend, so a, nice. to spend an hour with you has made me incredibly <laughs> nervous. We don't have to have microphones to do this case. <laughs> Just sure you have my phone number. <laughs> I have on-mic friends that are also off-mic friends. I feel like the only time we're going to be sitting together talking for an hour, there's going to be microphones in front of us. Okay. Now, we'll do group hangs. Sure. Yeah. Well, okay. If you didn't live in the loop, if you didn't live in downtown Chicago, <laughs> Man, the maybe South, we can make the, something. The South Loop has been on some shit lately. Really? It is gnarly yeah. out here. Oh, I don't get the newsletter, so. <laughs> um, so, like I said, about a 4.5 out of 10. There's just... There's stuff I like on this album. But That's there's, insane. There's They're so, so low. I, but there's just... Because the parts that I don't like about this album, it's not just that I don't mind them. I think a lot of it is actively bad. Like, it annoyed me the more I listened to it. Because I hear the potential of a song like A Lizard State or Ocean Bed, Baby Blue, even Borderline, which I really like. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, like, if... There could be more of that and less of Has This Hit, Four and Two, Ceiling, like, those sorts of songs. It would... There's a good album in here. There's probably a good EP in here, and it makes yeah. for a bad album. But that is I get that. that is where I stand on that. Caleb, this is a record that has been a part of your life for nearly seven years now. You have grown with it. You have changed with it. And now I ask you, who needs to hear this album right now? I think um, people, um, you know, young people, like when I heard it, I was, what? Let's do the math real quick. <laughs> Probably like, I don't know, 15, 16. I think 14 or 15 is okay, what you're looking well, for. Hey, um, around there. I think I think it's good It's good for, because there's a lot of like angst and like, like pent up frustration that's coming out here, but it's not as like in your face as like 
whatever the front bottoms are doing. Um, <laughs> Love the front bottoms. This is around the same time that I started getting into the front yeah. bottoms, and I was like, oh, they're these na- are f- they're name dropping women. They are complaining <laughs> about their problems in a very straightforward way. I understand this. This is a very like formative era for people our age, I think, and this is just the lane I fell into. You know, it's a very formative age, and it's an artist that again, like I know people. I text a lot of people throughout the week of like, you like King Cruel, right? Like there are people that as soon as you send me this name and send me this album, there are people I knew that I could at least talk to about this artist. He's okay, someone cool. that, that gets around. I know a lot of people that like him. All of the feedback I heard was, oh my God, he's so great. I love him. Love his sound. <laughs> I did not reply to those texts. <laughs> Wasn't he's sure so to, cute. <laughs> yeah, wasn't sure how to break it to them that I don't feel the same yeah. way, so I ghosted them. Oh no. Though You just lost friends over this. Uh, it's, it happens. It's, <laughs> it's cyclical at this point. But Caleb, we have come to the end of the show, and I must know, what do you have to plug? Oh my god. Um, is this going to come out before March 14th? It will, yes. Okay. Um, March 14th. Uh, no Car Garage is a improv team. Chicago improv Chicago team. Chicago improv team. Um, that I did not know you were a part of? I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, but we're not doing improv. We're doing a, uh, like a show for uh, the Jewish holiday of Purim, which is coming up. Um, we're recording a video um, to show at that, and it's kind of like a competition. So if you come out and you vote for us, we win money. And where's that event at? That's at, at I.O. in like the banquet oh, area. Oh, okay. Very um, fancy. So uh, if you are free on that day, come vote for us. Also, listen to my music. It's my last name on Spotify and Apple Music, wherever you get music. Um, and, you know, follow me on social media or whatever. Real quick before we go, it should be noted that Caleb's date at the I.O. Theater with his improv team, No Car Garage, is on March 12th, not March 14th. He wanted to be sure that was clear. So here I am reminding you that is March 12th at the I.O. Theater. This is the end of this episode of the Article Albums Podcast. I thank you for listening. As always, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Article Albums. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And you can follow me on Instagram as well as Twitter at underscore K. Case low C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. And until next time, I thank you for listening to another episode of the Art School Albums Podcast. <laughs>